Hi everyone, it's Sarah C. with Vanderpump Rules Party Podcast. It's just me flying solo today. I just wanted to give you guys an update on my experience at CrimeCon. I know a lot of you guys are into watching the ID channel or Oxygen or HLN and, you know, true crime in general, whether it's reading books, listening to podcasts, watching TV, whatevs. Um, I had a great experience at CrimeCon. I would definitely go again. In fact, we'll be going again. The next one's in Vegas. If any of you guys are interested or want you know, to ask me anything, please let me know. You can DM me, Sarah C-O-C, on Instagram. It's S-A-R-A-H-C-E-E-O-C is uh, where you can DM me on my Instagram. You can DM me on Facebook. Join our private closed Facebook group, Vanderpump Rules Party. And you can hit me up there. Um, or you can email us at VanderpumpRulesParty at gmail.com. And I'm happy to answer any questions. Um, I did want to give a shout uh, out or mention um, to all the victims in Austin right now. Um, thankfully, at least as far as last I checked, no one has died. But there was a terrible shooting in Austin uh, last night. And... 14 people were shot. I believe they've caught two suspects, one for sure, and they were looking for another one. Um, It just kind of hits home because I was just there last week, and literally last Sunday at this time, exactly, I was sitting at the Iron Cactus and window side, and we didn't have outside on the sidewalk because it was a little too humid, so we did go inside for the AC. But I understand the shootings were right outside of that, right next to it. So very um, relevant for me right now and everyone that I spent CrimeCon with. So thoughts to everyone in Austin, and I hope everyone is recuperating okay. And just another sad shooting. Uh, And it's weird because I did have that feeling when I was there last week. We were on 6th Street, and I just didn't vibe with it. I've been on 6th Street before, but many years ago, and it's just changed a lot. It was very Bourbon Street for me, but, like, different. It was just, it seemed a little more sketchy, and I wasn't comfortable, like, really hanging out a lot on 6th Street. We did so, like I said, Sunday during the day, and even then wasn't, it was still a little like, well, let's move on, and fortunately, uh, a local had directed us to Rainy Street, which I had a fantastic time on and was a fantastic street. And Austin is still a great city. Obviously, these shootings can and do happen anywhere. It has nothing to do with the city um, specifically. So, you know, please don't want that to deter you from ever going. There's so many great things to do in Austin and Texas. Um, but again, it's just another sad, senseless situation that happened. And I'm hoping that everyone recovered um, and that um, there's no news of anyone actually being fatally injured, hopefully. So that hit home. Um, as I said, I was just a, a little... I didn't want to spend a lot of time there. I just had this weird feeling. And I saw a lot, uh, particularly last Saturday night, which I guess, which is when the shooting happened was, you know, a week later, same time of day, we were out and I just got some weird vibes and I literally actually pictured in my head this, I can see a shooting happening here and I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, 
Oh, yeah, I saw that. Of course you don't. You just know certain situations where you don't feel safe or um, you could see things happening because I think just between the combination of the last year, everyone's, and then and the re-emergence of everyone being out and everyone was out in full force. It was packed, just like I'm sure 6th Street used to be, just like Bourbon Street is. So the adjustment period for that um you know some people are gonna not be able to transition very well and or or maybe just two guys got in a fight i'm not sure really what happened and why i've heard different things but it's very new so anyways thoughts and prayers with all of you and yeah okay well beyond that i did have a great time at crime con the next one is in vegas if you guys want to go um, you can go to crime Crime Con. There's a private Facebook group for Crime Con, or you can go to their website. I did the gold, like so. I originally signed up for platinum because you know, like I like to go big. Um, and I was going to New Orleans. I did go to New Orleans, but I didn't actually go to the convention because plans changed and uh, whatever. So I cashed in the platinum for two golds. And I will tell you though, it just depends on your goal and your your interests I guess I will go standard next time for me gold wasn't worth it I but however again we're just coming off the pandemic so Vegas may be a totally different ball game um, as will future conventions um, I don't like to wait in line always been a problem for me so I get the gold so I could get the the fast pass you know like y'all do at Disneyland or whatever so don't shame me y'all like that fast pass situation um, but there was no reason for it. There were no lines and, um, they do reserve like the first couple rows for VIP seating for platinum and gold. Um, so that's nice, but it wasn't really necessary because first of all, the views in every conference room were fantastic and you were right up close, no matter what kind of ticket you had. Secondly, they open up the VIP rows five minutes before the session starts to anyone. So you would see a whole certain sub people moving up and that was fine. So I think in the future, I would just get the standard ticket. And then if I wanted to be closer, move up because people were moving up into the first and second row. It just depended on the, the session. Obviously some were more um, crowded than others like Dr. Phil and Nancy Grace were more crowded, but still it, it didn't matter. You had a great view there. It wasn't, um, a massive conference so everybody I think got a great experience and the times that I did see I guess the other thing with gold and platinum is you get a fast line or a fast lane whatever for the meet and greets um, where you know you can get a book sign take a picture ask them questions um, I'm not a big picture taker with people as you guys have probably figured out all the pictures of us and the Vander pump crew is usually with Holly I'm just not really not my thing um nor like autographs that being said i you know it's not like i didn't get a couple books signed because they were there but you can still have that personal experience because every session i attended there's a q a so anybody can get up and stand up and ask the speakers questions and they did so you can always ask your questions have that personal experience with the speaker whoever they may be you know even nancy grace um and so for me, it, I guess I wouldn't do the gold again. They have a little gold lounge, but it's like coffee and water and soda. Um, 
is that worth the cost difference for me no but if you do want a lot of pictures and meet and greets cool go for it otherwise standards just fine because the other thing is you guys all of these speakers including the the top-notch you know keynote biggest speakers they're roaming the halls and the the little you know it's not a convention hall it's a hotel they're roaming the halls they're hanging out with you in the bar afterwards and and they're all very friendly um i used to like nancy grace and then she annoyed me and i thought she was too over the top too tabloid sensational but she's the nicest sweetest lady and she's so accommodating she's like the sheena okay she accommodates everyone she looks them in the eye she asks their name she takes a picture she asks them questions she says hey let me introduce you to my producer i want to talk to you about your story like she's so personal and engaging like she's definitely like the sheena of vbr okay <laughs> anyways um so i totally changed my mind on her um and then so many of the other speakers again we just talked to them at the bar or in the hallway or some of them had a booth so there's definitely opportunities so the standard tickets are very cheap and the next one is in vegas which you know can be very cheap so if you're gonna go and and you're not wanting to spend a whole lot of money i guess that that would be the the time to do it and that's next april so okay one of the i guess pluses or minuses the way you look at it you know for me i look at it as a minus um we're paying for these tickets so we're going to be like teachers patents at front row center so i'm sitting front row center and i didn't realize ew okay that's where the photographers are taking all the pictures so you know some days i was in like shorts or a, like a little skirt and i had to make sure my legs were together and i'm like oh my god i'm being photographed constantly it was very frustrating and um horrifying for someone like myself that hates being photographed um anyway so i i think i'm going to be in a lot of front row pictures and then if that's not enough we go to the cocktail hour and i'm getting um i've got two cocktails in my hand we had brought one up from the bar and then we got you know we get to the cocktail hour you gotta get your money's worth because it's free so you know double fisting so photographer got me double fisting and then us double fisting and so i mean that part was fun and fine because it is very on brand for me uh, mm, uh kind of like you know cocktail hoarding it's like it's free i'm getting my money's worth okay um so there was that but then this part's just a little embarrassing so they had this cool photo booth where you could do a still you could do a burst you could do a gif um so we did one and you know of course i'm never satisfied hold on one sec mm. so i have the genius idea i needed to take a break between sessions so there was an hour when everyone else was in session and i just took a break and caught up on some things i needed to do but then i thought oh i'm gonna go to this forensic files photo booth oh by the way i don't know if i mentioned that the photo booth is sponsored by forensic files so it gives you this border uh, forensic files which is like, has put me to sleep for the last like I don't know 30 years the forensic files has been on since the 90s so when we used to rip on Stasi, like I discovered true crime and murder and like I'm like the first person obsessed with it it's like no hun I was watching forensic files in the 90s okay and snapped in the two early aughts and then we you know ID mm-hmm 
Okay. Anyways, so I'm like, I'm going to go back to this booth when everyone's in session. And then that, therefore I can take like 900 different tries, you know, to get one selfie for me, it takes like 900 shots. I'm just very picky. So I'm doing this at the photo booth and then this guy walks up and he's like, Hey, he's like, I'm the company that provides this booth. He's like, would you mind if I took a video of you doing a video using our booth? And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, I gotta be nice. It's free, and there's no one manning the booth. Um, so, okay. So, again, I, yeah, I don't know. Well, I did have to sign a waiver, so at least I wouldn't be tagged. But somewhere around there was floating footage of me doing retakes in a forensic files photo booth little embarrassing anyways okay well a little awkward so okay starting out go to my first session it's John White and the title of my first session was entering the dark on the trail of serial killers so I know a lot of you have heard me talk about like my library I've got like this library of serial killer books and have for years and I think it's funny because I always joke like I'm gonna scare men away and um, and I just can't part with it because it's it's an impressive collection and um, I've been reading serial killer things since the 90s so okay um, actually I think my first one was well it was Ted Bundy that's why we do these Ted Bundy hunts and whatnot and what's why my cat was named after a Ted Bundy victim <coughs> excuse me because um, that was my first book and roll and that was probably in 1989 or 90. I was like, right after he was uh, electrocuted on Jan 24th, 1989. Anyways, so I did want to attend this, obviously. His name's John White. He's a speaker, and he's been a consultant on Criminal Minds, on Mindhunter. So it was very interesting. Um, and he was also very lighthearted. He was fun because, like... One thing, like he said, as well as these guys that I went to next, which I'll talk about, a CIA guy, a Special Forces guy, they're like, you know what? Bottom line, stay away from vans. Don't park next to a van. Don't walk by a van. Don't even fuck with a van, okay? This is all the shit that goes down is vans. And, you know, quite honestly, I just watched a Lifetime movie of, what was it called? Soccer Mom Madam. Yeah, she was kidnapped in a van okay granted it was fbi but yeah stay the fuck away from vans so part of me doing this podcast for you guys is i know a lot of you are into crime um like shows not actually committing crimes hopefully um but also there's some safety tips i learned and i wanted to share them with you guys and just some tips and tricks and because we all have different uh, levels of comfortability on self-defense and weapons and you know some of us are gun people some of us are not um some of us are mace or stun gun or or just nothing just your fist or just just your trust in humanity you know i I guess i'm a i can be guilty of all of those things so um i do not have a gun Uh, i was in texas so it was a very you know a lot of people did um, but it's interesting to know other, you know, fi- because, you know, the thing for me is like, you, you, 
you really need to be trained and practiced and also you have to lock these things away and be safe and uh, it depends on the state you live too for me i think oh there's an intruder how, how long is it going to take me to a get to the safe remember the code unplug it load it da 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 it's like i don't know how agile and fast i would be in a situation like that so it's nice to know other and that's that's just saying if i were a gun fan i'm not saying i'm not i'm not saying i am just going straight line on this so it's just i think good to equip yourself with knowledge in every realm in every type of situation and option that we can deploy um so that kind of led into my next session no actually i went to a different session before that that was by okay i went to true crime binge i'd never heard this podcast is by bob roth he was actually hilarious really funny guy and he had on um two people that i thought were from my uh id channel um show i thought it was like the psychologist and the woman psychologist that they kind of weigh in on the situation because i know his name's derek so i went there thinking i was going to see these two people and i was wrong i had no idea who these people were but i ended up really liking them so it was stephanie harlow and derek lavasseur um i had no idea who derek lavasseur was apparently he won big brother his interest uh, i mean his story is kind of interesting he was a cop and detective for like 17 years and uh he told his wife he's like oh i can do this and she's like well if you go on big brother you better win he's like i'll only go on if i win i guarantee you so he goes on and he did win anyways i never watched it i've only watched big brother like twice and that was because holly and i's um wine safari tour guide was on it holly allen um so i just you know wanted to see her Mm. And she got really close. She came in like top three or something. And I think her, who ended up being her boyfriend, I think he won. Anyways, I deflect. So that was an interesting podcast. Um, <coughs> sorry, a session, but they both have podcasts. So Derek and Stephanie Harlow have their own podcast. Next, I went to Practical to Tactical. Uh, when trusting your instincts fail that was so interesting to me so this was probably my favorite session um you know I, i i go back and forth on this i really think it was i definitely came out of it thinking it's my favorite session and then i had so many good ones after that um but we this is uh special forces guy and he was a consultant on many movies he was actually in zero dark 30 so he had some really interesting takes and then he his partner was a cia agent um the cia agents like best friend trains navy seals on self-defense and that's that's interesting because you know it's just interesting um but they talked about self-defense home invasion defense home security they gave us some tips. They both wrote books, which we bought both of them. We also bought this book um, from this guy, Edward Pinico, How to Start a Private Investigation Business. Um, and he is a formal federal agent as well. Um, and you could definitely tell it by the comb over hair. Like you're just waiting for it in the like dark plain suit. You're just waiting for him to like get out of an Escalade 100%. 
anyways, um, and his personality matched that as well. Uh, <laughs> we did try to talk to him at the cocktail hour, and it was kind of like talking to a brown piece of paper, but I respect that. That's that's how you should be. Anyways, so, okay, we bought the safety trap from Spencer Corson, so that's um, Spencer with a C, and his last name is C-O-U-R-S-E-N. You can Google him. Um, he had some really interesting information, and then we also bought the book um, Spy Secrets That Can Save Your Life by Jason Hansen. He's the CIA agent, and they were both just really charismatic and fun. I, I, I know it seems weird. Like, obviously, the you know, Special Forces guy we could see, but, like, CIA agent was charismatic and funny. He was. He was great, and he has, like, five kids. So it was interesting because... Like, they both have a little bit of different take. Like, a, a lot of this was a Q&A session, so it's really nice because you can just ask anything, and people did. But the CIA guy, like, he he only uses a flip phone. He said there's nothing wireless in his house at all. He was saying how he doesn't use Uber or Lyfts, and then someone chimed in joking, like, well, you can't. You can't order an Uber or Lyft off a flip phone. <laughs> so... That was funny. Um, but he was just saying, like, taxis have much more in-depth background checks, and they, it costs a lot of more um, money and so much more time to become one, whereas, like, Ubers have, like, $10 background checks. And, I mean, it was interesting to hear that perspective because I always thought the opposite. I knew about the background checks. I knew that thing. Um, but my theory was everything is so traceable with Uber or Lyft, Right. Whereas I remember so many times as a young girl getting in, in, into New York and just jumping into a, and maybe because we saw Bone Collector, didn't we all, where they, you know, you jump into a random taxi and the locks are missing. They're like now little knives and then you can't get out. So yeah, of course that scarred us all. And I'm like, there's no traceability. There's no, no one said she got into this taxi cab. Yeah, maybe there's some airport surveillance if you're lucky. Um, but I don't know, I just thought Uber and Lyft, there's so much traceability there that it just seems very safe. Um, but he disagrees. And quite honestly, it's been so difficult to get an Uber lately. I found myself at the airport recently, and I came out, and there was just all these people staring at their phone waiting. There wasn't an Uber or Lyft in sight. Mine kept circling. I couldn't even, when it would come up, it would say maybe an hour, but then I couldn't even get one. It would still circle. And I was like, what the hell? And this is like my fourth experience in like three different cities. This happened in various cities. Um, so it wasn't just this location. And I was like, I think since the some things changed after the last election, the Ubers are more high in demand and they're just harder to get. Um, so I ended up looking across the little airport strip and I was like, well, I see a bunch of yellow cabs lined up and no one's over there. So I walk over, jump right in, take off. And it was like $10 more than what the Uber might have been, which I think would have ended up being more anyways because clearly it was surging because I couldn't even get one. So I don't know, you guys. I might be back to taxi cab riding. And also the other bonus is 
I miss taxi cabs when like you don't have to chit chat for like the whole time and not because I'm antisocial well I am but I get car sick really bad and talking makes it worse especially if I'm in a back seat and then it, I just in a times of day are, are very like early morning or it, it, it's very conditional but I get very car sick and talking makes it worse I always has my whole family knows about this they're like you know don't be like are you okay are you okay just like shut the fuck up leave me alone let me have my window cracked and I'll be staring out the window and I'll be good just leave me the fuck alone so taxi cab drivers tend to do that and I really appreciate it Uber and Lyft drivers don't they like to chat your fucking ear off because um, they're not used to that line of work and they're just lonely and they're like wanting to chat. I don't know. That's my theory. Um, I still use them and will, but I'm really appreciating the old school taxi driver. And, you know, I guess there's that whole thing of, you know, the unions and that sort of thing. So, hey, maybe I can support both. All right, so what else? So they were saying, okay, it's just some little safety tips, um, self-defense. So if you did want some kind of apparatus, uh, they recommended the ViperTech stun gun flashlight. You can get it on Amazon. They were like, if you're getting a stun gun flashlight, it's like a little pen. Um, you know, definitely, you know, spend some money. They're like, don't get the cheap one. You get what you pay for. Um, they also talk about a tactical pen. I did, the CIA agent did have tactical pens and I did buy one. I'm a little scared to use it, quite honestly, because, uh, I mean, they said, you know, you don't bring out, a, it's a pen, but it, it must have this like just super sharp like gutting knife or something at the end of it. I didn't even punch it out yet because I'm a little afraid. Um, but they're like, you don't bring out the tactical pen unless you, you're going to use it. You don't bring it out as a threat or a warning or wave it around. You bring that out only if you need to use it. And they're like, you go for the chest, but if it's like super, super dire, you go right for the throat. That's why I'm a little scared. Um, they said to go and um, get a melon at the store and practice on a melon first. They said that's very um, a similar consistency. So I need to do that. And also, if you're carrying that, you need to carry it like sideways with your thumb on top so that you have full control. Don't carry it, you know, with just your hands wrapped around it. Just make sure your thumb's on top. Um, it's better control and also harder for someone to nab it away from you. Um, same with the stun gun flashlight. They said you should hold it like with both hands, like you're shooting a gun or, you know, for you guys and me. Like Charlie's Angels. Do it Charlie's Angel style. Like full, like, freeze! Freeze, motherfucker! Um, because if you're waving it around with one hand, all the perpetrator has to do is just knock it out of your hand or grab your hand. And, you know, it's it's very easy to do. So make sure you know how to hold it correctly. Practice. They said if you're buying mace, don't just buy one can. Buy five cans of mace because they said you need to practice practice using the mace before you just carry it around so buy several cans and practice on it obviously in a safe place um someone asked what if you're you know taken in a car obviously we know you know you do whatever you can to avoid going to the second location so you fight and you scream and you make as big of a 
situation and chaos as you can before being transported to a second location. But if you are still then shoved into the car or mm, van, um, even if you're you're bound or whatever, they are saying just do anything you can. If your hands are bound, put your hands around the, the driver's neck and they said it's so much better to crash the car and take your chances because they said once the, you get to the second location, which is a safe location, your chances are, are dismal. So crash the car. If you can, like, you know, kick them and crash the car, do it. Um, they also said, or like if you're in the back seat, and you're bound or whatever, if you can kick out the window or use your elbow on the window. And they said to focus on the corners of the windows. That's where they're most likely to break out completely instead of just like shatter a little hole. So go for the corners. Um, they recommend this for like kids and stuff like that too to, to teach your children. Go for the corners of the windows. Um, let's see. Um, Self-defense, he said, you should take a Krav Maga or Jiu-Jitsu. <coughs> um, okay, bash him in the head. Crash the car, bash him in the head. You're better off chancing car crash injury than death at killer safe location. Do it in transit. But if, you, if all else fails and you are taken to that next location, then they say cooperate. Mm, let's just hope we don't get there. Okay, so what else he said on, okay, oh, so with like the, the tactical pen or any, oh, okay, you can teach your children this, um, yourself this, um, use the palm of your hand and bash in the bottom of his nose, um, it's a really good place for the palm of your hand and it will guarantee like he'll just start bleeding and he'll be sidetracked and that will give you your moment. Or you could headbutt, but to make sure you use the top of your head and not forehead to forehead because then you'll just knock yourself out. But use the top of your head and headbutt like his forehead or his nose, which will then cause an issue and give you that time you need. Um, they said whatever you do, just go very fast and hard so they mentioned that uh, viral video that came out with the teenage girl that was attacking the bear that was coming over a fence to get her dog and they said her speed and violence of action made that possible that she could like defeat a bear so just go hard and fast and strong is you know with whatever action you're doing whether it be the headbutting or the palm of the hand under the nose the jujitsu or the stun gun or tactical pen um they were like it's not the size of the dog it's the it's not the size of the dog in the fight it's the size of the fight in the dog so there you go you can also do they said this is good to teach kids um and we're talking about like not on the playground please this is like a home invasion or kidnapping situation um two eyes and two balls so go for the eyes and the balls. Um, keep your fingers together when eye poking. Um, so very similar to how the M MMA guys go down. So um, yeah, just keep your fingers together, poke the eye or bash the balls. It's a you know good way to do it, apparently. Okay, um, let's see, home security. So if you someone asked about creating a safe room, what would be the best room? They said the master bedroom. Um, but also, you know, it always depends on how your house lays out, is laid out. 
um, but they said to you know be good to get a steel reinforced um, entry resistant door and then you can get window film where the glass shatters but doesn't break they all recommend like the ring light they recommend to enhance um, the ring light get um, alright where is that ring light highly endorsed by Spencer so, oh so the ring light but then a scene camera and ID camera add to the ring light um, so mm, those are the tips um, they <laughs> both said one of your best first lines of defense is a dog or a dog sign and they say definitely do the the dog signs and the security signs because they said you know if you're walking down the street and you see three houses that have dog signs and security signs and one that doesn't the one that doesn't is probably going to be the first hit because it's like the path of least resistance is what these perpetrators and and um, burglars or home invaders are going for um, so even if you don't have it get some fake signs I know they have fake cameras too um, so if you get the steel reinforced door then also have like a big solid piece of furniture in that safe room that you can a also you know slide against the door but you can take cover from behind that too to you know hopefully get away from like gunshots and that sort of thing okay what else okay they said really just practice the five D's detect defer deny delay defend so you want to detect an intruder hopefully you know you've got some a, a sound alarm security alarm um, some way you just heard a noise okay detect it then defer it um, call the police sound an alarm release your dog then you deny it so you deny them access you barricade yourself then you delay it you hide um, or again you call the police um, certain things like that and then defend if you have to defend and that's your last course of action um, doo -doo -doo. just checking here anything I missed on the self-defense um, if you're at an ATM they call it an express kidnapping um, they're like just give them your pin number there's a limited amount that they can take obviously whether it's your max or whether you just don't have it in there there's a limited amount most ATMs have cameras just comply and then say here you go here's my pin here's my card you don't need me anymore so just let me go um, most ATM robbers are not looking to commit murder so just comply and say hey okay here you, here's everything you don't need me anymore here's a thing oh, oh god there's two things this thing I knew I was like see I knew it I would get so upset over the last you know whatever 10 years people that leave menus and real estate things on my door shoved in my door or on my front doormat infuriating it is such a safety hazard I've always felt this way I don't understand why they don't get it so I have put up signs do not leave like not just no soliciting like I've been very clear do not leave any signs menus blah 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 because I would travel a lot 
and you shove that inside the door? Well, it's just the door hasn't been open in a fucking week. Okay, yay, come rob or come burglarize my home because I haven't been home or on the doormat or that sort of thing. Drives me insane. People would still do it. So any one time uh, any company would do it, I would call up that company and just lay into them. I'm like, this is such a safety risk and hazard and I specifically said do not leave this and usually they're like, yeah, sorry. You know, they don't give a shit. Um, but other times, sometimes they wouldn't know what I was talking about. Now I realize why. So these guys were saying that is a whole scam. Like these scammers, they'll just get all these fake menu things and they'll just distribute them. It's, so it's not even a real restaurant or they've ripped them off for them restaurant. And then they'll just go put them everywhere and then they'll come back and they'll survey it every day to see which doors haven't been opened. The flyers are still there. So it is a scam, just like I thought. So um, I guess I recommend make sure you put those signs out. Do not leave flyers. People may still do it. Um, call those companies up if they do. And also maybe have a backup plan like a neighbor to say, hey, if you see any flyers while I'm gone, can you remove them? Um, that shit just pisses me off. Another thing they said, oh God. And this one I was a little confused how it all works out, but like say someone's been watching you or stalking you or or they've hacked into your phone, I guess via Bluetooth, very common, or uh, they just have one of those little things that when they're near you, they can get into your phone. So this happens at movie theater, someone will, and you know, we just went to a movie first movie since COVID and it was a kid's movie, Raya. And I thought it was weird because we were the only ones in there. And then these two guys that were not like age appropriate and they didn't have kids with them. I'm like, in the middle of the day, I'm like, this is very random. Why are you guys seeing this movie? It just did not fit. So it made me very suspicious. And then like a grandma came in with like a grandchild. I'm like, okay, I feel a little relief. And then like, uh, another family came in. So I was like, okay, well, at least we're not alone because it was very suspect. Well, I did hear, you know, on top of already like child napping or, or something creepy, um, what they'll do is they'll wait and watch you turn your phone off. You know, you have to turn it off in the movie, right? And then somehow they'll have hacked into your phone by that point and they'll see, you know, call your mom or your husband. They'll, they'll figure out who to call and say they've kidnapped you and they need to wire you money now or Venmo money right now. And they'll do it. Um, and it'll be a low enough amount that people will just do it. And they'll do it because then what happens is that family's trying to contact you with your phone's off. So they now believe the scam. Um, I still i would like to hear more details on how that actually happens. But that was a big thing. So no, very paranoid in movie theaters night right now. And if you guys do... Um, get that kind of thing maybe wait two hours until like the movie theaters <laughs> i don't know i don't know it's very alarming people are so fucked up um okay more on the home they do say they recommend getting electric locks because you can still use a key with your electric locks um but with electric locks then you get an audit report of all the access and use and that way if you do have people like people working in your home for construction or even, you know, a nanny or a babysitter or a housekeeper or a maintenance worker or someone that, like, you don't want them to have access anymore, you can change the code 
whereas the keys you've got to change the locks and all of that um, okay there was that da, 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 da. oh doggy doors this is interesting um, you know because I actually when I lived in Santa Monica just down the road actually very near where Nicole Simpson and Ron Goldman which I'll bring up later um, were killed very close to there in about two minutes from my old apartment um, this woman was attacked a guy climbed through her doggy door it was actually a secure condo complex so he got through the security door then climbed through her doggy door um, so they this guy has a doggy door um, he has a scanner chip on his dog's collar so the doggy door will not open unless the dog is there with the scanner chip so that deters from rodents you know people are worried about raccoons or possums or whatever not just burglars so I thought that was an interesting idea so doggy take scan for a doggy door um, those of you that want that either to deter other animals or burglars also very basic don't walk staring at your phone people are going to attack people that are least you know walk strong confident with swagger there's two people walking down the street one walking like that with their head upright looking strong the other one shoulders shrunk shrugged looking at their phone yeah that's the guy that's going to get attacked so just be aware of that um okay i think that's it for that you can see why this is like my favorite session because i think i had three pages on just practical to tactical um, I'll let you guys know how the book is, but you can get, I think, either one of them on Amazon. If you forgot what they are, just rewind this podcast or hit me up, DM me. I will tell you um, what they are. So, but they have lots more tips in there. So then I saw, and here's where it gets a little juicy. I went to, I was not going to go to this session, but my first session with John White about serial killers he highly recommended it. Well, now I understand why. Because he's partnered with this person. Um, the session was called What Hell is Like? The Untold Story of the Toolbox Killers. And so this woman, her name's Laura Brand, she is now referred to as the Siren of San Quentin. She's been interviewing the toolbox killers in San Quentin for the last five years. She even like went there pregnant. She brought her baby there to meet uh, Bitteker, I mean, yeah, hmm, I'm just, you know, I'm not going to go on about that. It's a little, a lot of people had some thoughts on that. It was a little weird. Mm. My problem, though, with this session, clearly didn't practice the timing. I mean, that's presenting 101. you got to practice your timing. She did not edit. She had way too many slides that... I could have condensed it for her just upon first appearance of the presentation. I would have known how to edit it and take which slides out. She had probably oh, three hours worth of content. So she, to compensate, rushed through the presentation so fast. Literally, she was just talking. Like, she would put up a, a slide with a bunch of bullet points, you know, that you want to read. I couldn't read them fast enough. I just started taking screenshots. And so, therefore... I was not listening to her and not reading. I was just so busy trying to record whatever I could record. And she's talking like this. And then, and then Bitteker went, it's like, it was so fast. You couldn't read. You couldn't listen. It was so 
I don't know, distracting. And the problem was she was partnered with uh, Dr. Maurice Godwin, who was essential in the capture and, and discovery and research of the Tulox killers. Um, she introduced him, said he'll be speaking, and she was going to play audio tape of some of these interviews and, and show all these things of victims. She kept saying, literally, okay, so it's an hour, but you're supposed to do 50 minutes and leave the last 10 for Q&A. Literally, it's at uh, minute 57. She's still talking. And she's saying, okay, and I'm going to show you this, but I'll get into that a little bit later. And we're all like, a little bit later, lady. You have three minutes left in the session. This guy hasn't even talked. You haven't shown most of what you said you're going to show. What the fuck? It was a it was a horrible horrible presentation. The guy was so mad and pissed. Like we talked to him later. Fortunately, they kind of made up for him, and he let yeah, they let him do like a virtual thing. And then he came into the VIP lounge and spoke. We talked to him at the bar. He's like, "Yeah, she took all my time. I didn't get to speak." Once um, she realized that she had to let him speak, he gets up. He's not talking for more than thirty seconds. Well. At this point, they're now, like, turning the lights on and off as, like, you know, get off the stage cue because you're over your time. So she cuts him off because she needed to show her trailer for the new show she's working on on Oxygen about this. And she wanted to make sure she basically showed her commercial. And I was like, it was just so cringy because she never gave him time to talk. And then when she did, she cut him off again to show basically a commercial. Horrible. Definitely not a fan of this woman. It was so cringy. But what's worse, and I'm bringing this up because normally I'm not here just to bash a session because there was other sessions I didn't really enjoy that much or I was bored. I'm not going to bash them. I'm not going to bring them up. I'm just not going to mention them. But this chick was such a nightmare. First of all, I noticed her in the first session because she was in the front row right next to me. We were both aisle and aisle. And she was talking during the whole time. Okay, there's nothing more rude than when someone's presenting and someone's talking. Um, let alone in the front row. So that annoyed me. I already knew who she was. Then, so we were annoyed during the presentation. Blah, blah, blah. That's over. Then we go to our VIP dinner. And they have a special speaker and forensic sketch artist. Who is doing an interactive thing with the audience we're all contributing to create this sketch as you know we're eating our little dinner she and her friends are talking so loud and being drunk that we can't hear the speaker and there's all sorts of tables around us doing like the movie theater look you know and we're doing the movie theater look as well like shut the fuck up they don't shut up they're just cackling and we're like what the fuck my sister just can't take it. She's gotten, like, like I'm a short fuse on inconsideration, but I also don't like to really, I, I do confront. It just depends on the situation. Um, now she gets up. She's like, I've had it. I'm going back. And I'm like, oh, I'm, like, shrinking in my seat and cringing. And she's going back to, you know, she's going to be polite. But, like, excuse me, we're all trying to hear. So she does. She goes back there. We're all trying to hear. Um, could you just, like, keep it down or, or at least get out of the room and go take your party outside because this is we're all trying we're, we all paid money for this and as she's going back there I see this other table and they look at me and they're like is she going back there to talk to them I'm like yeah and they're like 
good for her. <laughs> so my sister comes back and then like the other tables are like applauding her and shit. It was like awesome. And we ended up hanging out with those groups of people then the rest of the night. And um, they were super fun and super nice. But we were all thinking it and feeling it. But then they doubled down and they like kept taunting all of us. They still kept cackling and woohooing and and being drunk and not listening to the speaker. And it was so damn rude that I want to boycott this woman's oxygen special. Her name's Laura Brand. It's going to be either called the Siren of San Quentin or the Toolbox Killers. Like, bitch is a nightmare and she's very rude. So, just putting it out there. <laughs> all right. Um. Oh, but there was, I mean, there were some, like, brutal things I heard during the presentation that, um, yeah. Anyways. Okay, then Dr. Phil presented. I did not make it to that. Um, but I did make it to Nancy Grace. Um, and like I said, you guys, she was, um, wonderful. And I didn't expect that. And it was great. I did also know, you know, how she even got into any of this. Like, she was engaged and her fiance was murdered and that's what really propelled her into this world that she's in um, also didn't know she almost died in childbirth because she was you know much older when she had her I believe she had twins and I think they're like eight or eleven or something um, and she almost died so that was interesting uh, but she was great and she listened to everyone's story and she kept saying here's my producer who was sitting right in front of us come talk to her I want to talk about this on the show. And she, she did that several times. Um, so I really appreciated her. Then I went to what I was most looking forward to, my dream man that I've been in love with for many, many years, Carl Marino, who plays young Detective Joe Kenda on Homicide Hunter. Now, I personally also love Joe Kenda, the real deal. I got a thing for um, Sam Elliott. I got a thing for Joe Kenda. I don't age discrimination when it comes to those uh, two men. Carl Marino, however, is age appropriate. Very smoking hot. Unfortunately, he's married. Um, his wife was there, but it was quite funny because apparently he gets hit on all the time. <laughs> like, the DMs are out of control. And uh, he's like, I just want you guys to know, you know, like, my wife manages all of that. And so she'll she'll reply to you. If you see me reply, it's her. And people are like, you know, I want to, you know, be with you or marry you. And she'll, she'll be like, okay, well, just so you know, everything's still going great with us, but I'll put you on the list. Like, in case something happens, I'll go ahead and put you on the list. So I thought that was funny. Um, anyways, he's a smoking hot actor, but why I really have always liked him is he was a cop um, for like 16, 17 years, and then he just decided to become this actor. And, like, one of his first roles was this. So I just thought that was very cool. A um, little bit different situation, though. He was a sergeant for the sheriff's department. He basically just worked in the jail. Uh, but he would work, like, 18 to 16 hours a day in a maximum jail. Um, he said he got in so there were so many fights he had to get into because they weren't armed. Um, he said it wasn't even until later on that they got pepper spray. So... Uh, you know, just I don't know if everyone realizes this, but like correctional officers in jails and prisons, they are not armed. So you really got to have your wits about you to, you know, stay on top of everything. Now, I think maybe they have a baton or maybe pepper spray, but, you know, 
it's dangerous. Um, but then he moved to California. Uh, he was out on the East Coast and became a private investigator in California. And he had some kind of case. He wouldn't go into it, though. I think he has a book or a podcast. He said he'd talk about it. But he was on, he was interviewed by Dr. Phil, by Maureen Maher on Dateline, by Chris Cuomo, all about this specific case he worked as a PI. So I want to learn more about that. Like, obviously, it was pretty high profile. But for you guys that are Homicide Hunter fans, here's what was disheartening and really kind of took the thrill out of it for me. Well, first of all, I was extremely upset to find out that there was five different Kenda Cruises. Um, what the fuck? How did I not know about this? Um, they, and, and Joe would hang out with everyone, Joe and his wife. I'm like, how? The ha- I'm like the biggest fan. Uh, my friend Heidi's the other biggest fan. My friend Julia's the other biggest fan. We're the three biggest fans. How did we not know about this cruise? I'm really mad. Um, They did say they had like four or five crazies that had to be banned from the cruises, but I don't think I would have been one of them because I'm very respectful. (laughs) Anyways. Okay, here's some of the earth-shattering news for me. Um, Well, the first season was filmed in Los Angeles, six episodes, and then they moved it to Knoxville. Um, a lot of the people in the episodes, they're actual real-life Knoxville Police Department because you don't have a lot of extras there and they want to make it authentic. And also, you don't get paid a lot for Knoxville PD, so a lot of these guys need second jobs. Uh, but you'll see one guy that they use a lot in a lot of the scenes because he doesn't really have an accent. So he's an actual Knoxville PD guy, but he had, like, the least strong accent, so they'd use him a lot, like when um, Kanda will be, go up and be like, so what do we got? Um, it's usually that guy that answers, but real police guy. Um, they used real police. They used the real SWAT teams. They reused the real bomb squads in episodes. So I thought that was pretty crazy. Um, oh, so the guy that has like the lesser accent that's in a lot, his name's Adam, Adam Wilden. Well, he was recently just shot in the line of duty. So he's like a kind of a mean cast member. Um, oh, no. That's kinda, he's doing okay, though. Um, okay, here's what's what really got to me. Uh, Carl never even met Joe Kenda until season three. They talked on the phone like a couple times. Um, Carl has never been to Colorado Springs. Everything was shot um in Knoxville Joe Kenda lived in Virginia but he would fly to Colorado Springs and shoot like his confessional talking heads in like a warehouse studio um I guess he would go to Colorado Springs because they had to do some outer shots you know um but they he he wasn't even there and Carl and Joe never even worked together because they're like what's it like working with Joe he's like I don't know I never worked with them so that really sucked for me. It really took like the the pleasure out of it all. I don't know. Um, he said that O'Carroll finally went to Colorado Springs, and the police department took him out again. Joe wasn't there, and the police department in Colorado Springs said that they get tons of people coming in front of the headquarters wanting to take pictures of the sign. So I guess it's not just me. And then they'll go inside the cop shop and ask where the Homicide Hunter gift shop is. (laughs) So I thought that was funny. 
And he's like, you should have a gift shop because you'd like fund the police. <laughs> Anyways. Um, also, Joe has books. I didn't know he had books. Um, and then they were saying how he has like a 92% per- closure rate when apparently 50% is considered really good for detective closure rate. So, I don't know. A little bit of interesting details there. Okay, next I saw Chris Hansen. Whoo, swoon. I love me some Catch a Predator. So this was to Catch a Predator stories, stings, and safety in the age of social media. So it was Chris Hansen, as you guys know, from uh, Dateline to Catch a Predator. And um, he had this uh, cybercrimes detective on, uh, David Fratari. And they were both very inf- oh, like interesting and informational. Um, they put up this graph they did of the cyber crimes. And if you guys, I have a email and website if you have any kind of cyber crime uh, tips, concerns. What they do is, let's say you suspect your neighbor of, of doing this. You should report it. Um, maybe nothing will happen, but the, the more reports they get, it, you know, does this triangulation kind of thing and and it bubbles up to you know higher priority tiers so if you really feel like you have a legitimate uh, tip or report do report it and don't be discouraged if you see nothing happen because chances are someone else will too and it will bubble up uh, but they said the cyber tips uh, and cyber crimes uh, for you know particularly child trafficking skyrocketed during 2020 COVID. Um, Like they used to get 600 tips a month. It went to 6,000. So insane graph that they showed. Um, And that's really sad, you know, because people are a having mental illness issues with the pandemic or just caught up. They have now more time to cruise around the dark web. They're not going to work. So it's just very alarming. Um, and then they just talked about a lot of their stings and it, you know a lot of it was really funny like this one guy they got and he brought a pizza and after Chris Hansen comes out and reveals himself and he's like interrogating the guy the guy just like literally picks up some of the pizza and he starts eating it it's like wow <laughs> and then he offers Chris Hansen he's like would you like a slice it's like dude you're about to get busted for like child molestation you're eating that pizza uh um so that was kind of funny and then they just talked about you know the people like they had a former cop be one of the perpetrators show up they had a a prison guard show up as you know one of the perpetrators it's just crazy so that was really good chris hansen looked really good um yeah then i watched um chasing cosby and this was so good and a little personal um and it's a podcast too so go check out nikki egan's chasing cosby podcast she had uh, one of the first people that reported um, cosby as well as another victim um that was one of the many people that gave their reports um it's called chasing cosby at the downfall of america's dad and very personal experiences um Nikki was like the first reporter in the world to dig into these allegations back in 2005. Um, 
it, it was crazy. I mean, she got death threats. She got all sorts of things. And the funny thing for me is I have a friend. I mean, I know this person. She's not my personal close friend, but I've hung out with her and been to her house. Uh, but she's closer, she's close friends with my close friends, we'll just say. And I heard this story back in the 90s. And because at one of my tree shows, Cosby was coming to perform and, you know, we could see it for free. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to this. And um, someone was like, oh, I would never go to that. And I was like, what? Why? And then they told me the story of what happened with this friend. And it was exactly what you hear, exactly to the T. And this girl was a model. She was, it doesn't matter if you're a model or not, but um, it just fit the, I knew, I knew the whole story and the situation. It was very common and typical of the stories we heard 20 years later, because I actually heard the story in the mid nineties and was like, wow. And so it wasn't for 10 years until the first reports came out and it was almost exactly to the T of what I had heard 10 years prior. And then, you know, that all got shut down in 2005, 2006, you know, it was kind of buried and shunned and then it bubbled up again another 10 years later. And so I've always known it to be true. I've never questioned, but hearing some of these victims, it's just awful. Like this woman, I mean, this happened to her in 1970. So you can imagine she's very, um, a, a great reputation woman of society, like just lived a great reputable life. She was in her book club in Beverly Hills and they stopped asking her to come and they said, you know, maybe you shouldn't come for a while until, you know, we figure out what happens with this, you know. And, you know, if it turns out to be true, you know, maybe you can come back. And she's like, excuse me? If it turns out to be true? Fuck you. Um, this lady was hilarious and so amazing and strong. Both, she had two of the victims and they were both, one was, you know, happened in 1970. The other one was like uh, later 70s and they were both amazing um, it was Tamara Green and Therese Serenese, Seren um, and they both had great stories, and they are just remarkable, so I know they're going to be on um, Nikki Egan's Cosby podcast, um, Tamara was talking about, she was one of the ones interviewed by Matt Lauer, um, and she said he was a total dick to her, and she's like, well, I guess that makes sense given, you know, he was trying to protect his own because he was doing the same shit at that time. So this is the kind of like ballsy ass conversation this woman was talking about. She does not hold back. She's amazing. So uh, that was very good. Uh, I definitely want to listen to that podcast. Um, oh, um, and then the other woman, it was her doctor and he was friends with golf and they'd have their little guy group and Cosby was part of it and Cosby started asking her to be her driver because she was you know she didn't drink and um when she told her doctor he's like what are you doing no I told you do not ever be alone with him so even this doctor knew way back in the 70s to not be alone with him yet he was still his good friend it's just it was gross so, anyways, Tam uh, Tamara finishes up. She's like, you know, capital punishment should be for child, uh, child molesters. They're a waste of skin, air, and water. 
all the things we're trying to conserve now. So I think they should do their part by stop breathing and taking up space. Conserve it for, for those of us worth it. So I thought that was kind of funny. Okay, and then the last one I went to was the lie detector. It's called Detecting Lies, the Truth About Lie Detectors. I did go to some other sessions. I'm just, these are the ones I'm talking about. Um, this lie detector one was with Lisa Ribikoff. She's a famous polygrapher, and her dad is a famous polygrapher as well. They both are the ones that do it on Maury Povich or the Wilco show. Um, they are on there on that Lie to Me TV show. Um, she did Kevin Hart's polygraph. She showed us the video, everything. She said, and she goes, you can even see me fangirling out. And he was trying to divert, deflect, and, and throw some humor in there. Um, so we got to see Kevin Hart's polygraph. Then she showed the Chris Watts polygraph um, interview. Yeah, it's just crazy. So what I thought was interesting is they're now... Um, they're doing lie detectors while you're under an MRI machine because it is so brain oriented like your brain works harder to lie than tell the truth and it goes into certain areas like your frontal um, vortex cerebral vortex or something and so you know the dyes will show all of a sudden it shows like the blue expanding as you're lying and so they're doing that now because they can actually see the physiological effects of lying um, so she's basically saying, like, you can't beat a lie detector test. What you can do is beat the examiner because it can be very subjective to who's doing the examining and their their skill set, their experience, their qualifications, their training. Um, but she's like, you can't beat a lie detector. You can just beat the examiner. Um, but now it's now being tied to so many, like, scientific things like MRIs that... Um, I think that's only going to increase. Also, it's interesting, you know how they always say on TV, like, uh, well, why bother? It's not admissible. I guess lie detector tests are admissible. Um, I think she said like 28 states, they're admissible. Um, and then like some of the states, though, it has to be consensual between both the prosecution and defense. As long as they both agree, they're admissible. Um, but they're a lot more admissible than we all thought so that's kind of interesting so I don't know what else um, oh I forgot to finish the story on Laura so after my sister confronted her at the VIP dinner to be quiet and they kept still popping off then we all go to the bar afterwards and they are there and they kind of got into it and her friends like other people then went up and confronted her and these ladies were just popping off and being like rude and deflective to all these different people that had said, you know, I was kind of rude. We were trying to hear and they just doubled down. So it was just, it was a little bit of a scene in the bar. It was kind of, it was, it was fun. Um, fun, funny. I don't know. It just wasn't professional as a speaker. Uh, first of all, it's not professional or it's not courteous to be making a lot of noise during someone's speaking presentation um secondly as a speaker you should be more conscientious of that um i know when i'm even like watching a band or a singer or someone performing or speaking even if i'm bored as fuck or if they're terrible i try to sit there with a like smiley face because i know being on stage myself it 
it's helpful to look at those friendly positive faces it really helps a lot so when people are talking it's just it's so distracting and so like it it, it gets to you um so she should have known that as a speaker herself um oh god i was gonna see something really f in tune with that speaking and she should have known that oh shoot I was thinking it as I was saying it. I was like, "No, just finish your point, and then you'll, and then you'll get to it." And now I've since forgotten. Um, okay, let me just retrack here. Bar speaking. Oh, you know what? I'm just gonna finish on the, this note because Holly, you probably haven't made it this far because you're not into true crime. But I will say I had my own very Burke Williams moment. Holly knows I like to complain a lot. If we go to the spa and we go in the quiet room, why spas put apples in spa, um, spas? I don't understand because they're so loud and so gross. It's like, like you guys complain, you know, when I used to like suck on a cough drop so I wouldn't actually cough in your ear. Um, eating an apple in a quiet room is like way more disturbing. It's like, it's all sloppy and wet and loud and crunchy. This is what was happening during a lot of the sessions. People were like treating it as like, fucking snack happy hour every session it'd be like 10 in the morning i'm like okay didn't you have breakfast or can't you wait for lunch why do you have to have this big bag of chips in a session with the crinkle crinkle it's like <laughs> the crinkle of the bag and then the crunch of the chip it was so annoying and it's so rude like when someone's speaking and like i understand if it's like a lunch session okay gotcha it wasn't though. This happened throughout and people just kept snacking. And I noticed that in the CrimeCon Facebook group, people are like, bring snacks. We'll get hungry. It's like, yeah, but you know what? There's like 15 to 20 minutes between every session. That's when you eat your fucking snack. That's what it, that break is for. Not to crinkle the fucking shit up during the session. It's so rude. Anyways, that's my rant of the day. And thank you guys for hanging in there. If anyone wants more information about CrimeCon, I'm happy to talk to you about it. Um, it was fun. And I do want to do it again. And I'll just go the standard route, but that's cool. And yeah, cool. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye.